Today's reading is from John 14. We're going to be reading verses 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, welcome. Really glad that you're here. Uh, thanks for coming out. We, uh, my name is Matthew. I serve as a pastor here at Christ City Church. Um, the, uh, I, I, don't, I probably have thought about this before, but um, the seminars are going to be fantastic. And I can't, I can't, like maybe if it was like creativity and then like engineering, but I can't think of two like more opposite types of <laughs> seminars. So if you can't find yourself sort of between like messy and holy and then like buttoned up and you know holy-ish like like then here you go so uh, if you are uh, looking for a way to um to engage and, and to engage um intellectually and creatively i uh, really hope that you'll take advantage of the upcoming seminars that do start uh this week this morning i um i want to give um a, a, an epilogue and a prologue i want to give these two things together um, I want to give an epilogue to our John series and a prologue to our upcoming series on the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned last week, over the past year, we've been making our way through the Gospel of John. We've been soaking in the story of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the challenges, the encouragements, the comforts, and ultimately the invitation of Jesus uh, to believe and to follow him, to surrender our lives over to him and to embrace the life that he offers to all of us. And today, today's actually the last official, I don't know if I can call it, the last official sermon in our John series. So uh, I don't know if that's like, oh, or like uh, applause. But, um, and what I wanted to do is, is I wanted to serve as an epilogue. I want today to serve as an epilogue to the gospel because it gives some closure to this journey that we've been on. Um, an epilogue, it's, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's used in literature and in playwriting. It's a literary device. It functions as a supplemental, but oftentimes a separate part of the main story. It's often used to reveal the fates of the characters in the story or to wrap up loose ends from the story or uh, give you sort of a sense of what the future events will take place when the story concludes. It's uh, also a way to sort of hint at you know, the next installment if it's a series of books and we want you to buy the next one. Um, this morning I want to do a bit of epilogue work. Uh, I want to tie up some loose ends and then point us forward to what's up ahead in the story of God beyond John's gospel. What the epilogue will cover is what uh, begins to take place after Jesus is resurrected and after he returns to heaven and leaves the disciples behind. But it's also a prologue. Um, the word prologue, it comes from the Greek word prologos, which just means the word before the word. And it's a piece of writing that's often found at the beginning of a literary work, not the end. It's uh, before the first chapter, and it's sort of a separate part of the main story. Its purpose is, is to introduce important information, such as background or details or even characters uh, that have some connection to the main story, uh, but whose relevance isn't immediately known. And so I want to do that too this morning. I want to lay out a prologue, a beginning of our next uh, journey together in understanding this character called the Holy Spirit. In the weeks ahead, we want to look at who the Holy Spirit is, what the Spirit does in our lives and in the world and in our church when we gather. I want to introduce some things today that we'll uh, uncover a bit more uh, in detail later. 
And honestly, my, my prayer and the prayer of the staff and uh, the prayer team as we've been praying in anticipation of this series is that we don't simply learn about the Spirit, but that we actually experience the Spirit's work in our lives. And so today, it's a, it's a bit of prologue and an epilogue. Now, when I say that we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, there can be some reactions um, in the room for some of you. Um, there can be some visceral ways when I say, hey, we're going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit. Some of you, particularly if at some point in your faith journey, it's led you through uh, uh, living in uh, or being shaped by uh, charismatic or Pentecostal churches where you were shaped by faith traditions that were quite comfortable talking about and understanding the work of the Spirit in, in your midst. And so for you to hear me say, hey, we're going to spend the next four weeks uh, talking about uh, dealing with the Holy Spirit, then you're like, glory, hallelujah, it's about time, Pastor. I've been waiting for you to get to this place. So you're like, woo, good, let me, I'm ready. Uh, some of you, you've grown up or you were shaped in church traditions that they really didn't discuss much of the work of the Spirit. And on top of that, there was some uh, skepticism about how the Spirit worked. And even if the Spirit still worked in ways today that we see in the New Testament. And so when you hear me mention our upcoming dive into the work of the Spirit, you <laughs> kind of sit up a bit more and you, you kind of clench up and uh, maybe you purse your lips with a bit of uncertainty. And there's others of you still that you didn't grow up in a church or a faith tradition. And there's some uncertainty even about what that means and who the Spirit is or how the Spirit works. And so you may have in your minds even some caricatures of religious people that seem to be out of step uh, with reality, but in deep step with spirituality. Images of, of holy rollers or tent revivals come to mind. Or maybe nothing at all comes to mind. And I, I thank God for you and that you're here. I, I mean that, yes, genuinely. And, and so what I want to do is we, as we sort of step into this, two, two quick things. I want to put you at ease and I want to put you at, on notice. Um, I, 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 um, wherever you are on the spectrum that I've just mentioned, or wherever you're not, I want to put you at ease about some things, but I want to put you on notice about some other things. I want to put you at ease that the, that the Spirit isn't to be feared. The Spirit isn't to be avoided. The Spirit is actually a gift from God, a gift given to us from Jesus for our benefit. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But I also want to put you on notice the Spirit isn't a static entity. It isn't stationary. The Spirit isn't passive. The Spirit is on the move. It is working. It is wooing. It is healing. It is stirring. The Spirit is on the move even in this moment and in all of the moments leading up to this point. And I would say that the Spirit has been moving in some of you from the moment that you walked into this room. When you heard the music, and when you listened to the words of the prayers, as you listened to the scriptures, that the Spirit has been moving in you and among us. And you need not be anxious about that. The Spirit's movement in your life, even in these first few moments of us together, it is for your good, church. It is for your healing. So be at ease and be aware last thing I want to say before we get into the text is that I want for all of us to be curious about how the Spirit might work in us over these next weeks, collectively and individually. I want you to be curious. I want you to ask, Spirit, how might you work? And I want you to be open. As I've prepared and prayed, my sense is that God wants to do some work in us as a church. 
I suspect it, it may well be a new work or some new steps as we live together as a community of faith. And my sense is that over the next few weeks that there will be some of you in this room who will experience healing as a result of the Holy Spirit. And the healing will be in areas of long hurting. My sense is that in the coming weeks that some of you will experience freedom. Freedom from sin, from shame, from habits and addictions as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. And I also sense that the Spirit will bring comfort and conviction in ways that are newer for some of us. Now, I'm not saying that in some blanket way, like the Spirit's just going to minister. As I've prayed and fasted and listened to the Lord, that these have been some areas where I've just had a sense in my own spirit of how the Spirit might work in our midst in the coming days. And so that said, as we move forward, be at ease and be aware. Be curious and be open to how the Spirit might want to work in you. Amen? In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus, which is where I want us to, to live for a bit, uh, Jesus says over and over, I'm going away. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stay here with you to, disciple, uh, to the disciples. He's speaking to them. He says, I'm going away. He's talking about his ascension and his return to heaven after the resurrection. He's telling the disciples, I'm going to leave, but he's also telling the disciples that they don't need to be worried about that because he's going to do two things when he leaves. The first is he's going to prepare a place for them while he's away. We touched on this a few weeks back when we looked at John 14, verses 1 through 3. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, which they could be troubled for any number of things, one of which is that he's saying, I'm going to leave you, but don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, that you may also be where I am. He's telling them, I'm going to go, but I'm going to prepare a place for you, and then uh, I'm going to come, and I'll take you to that place. The second thing that he says he's going to, uh, that he's going to do when he leaves is that he will send someone else to be with them, and that someone else is the Holy Spirit. He uses different names and different words and different descriptions, but it's the spirit to which he's referring in John 14, 15, and 16. In these three chapters, he refers to the Holy Spirit as the advocate. Chapter 14, verse 15, he says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will send another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He says it again in verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you everything I have said to you. And then in chapter 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he'll testify about me. And then in chapter 16, verse 7, but very truly I tell you, it's good for you that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Throughout these sections of John, which is a lengthy teaching of Je that Jesus is delivering to his disciples, he's reiterating again and again and again that he's going away after his resurrection, that he's returning to the Father, but that another will come and be with him. And he's using a word that's translated in the NIV that we've used here uh, as advocate. Now, in the Greek, the, the word is actually parakletos, or paraclete. And it's a bit uh, of a tough word to translate, so different English translations throughout the years have used different words, trying to capture the full meaning of it. Different translations will call it the advocate, or the comforter, or the helper. And the word paraclete, it means someone who, has, who is called in from the outside for a specific purpose. 
Um, sometimes in Greek literature, paraclete was used for someone who was called in to give a witness, as in a legal sense, or someone who was called in to plead a case or make a cause or plead a for a cause. At other times, paraclete is someone who is called in to give comfort um, in a military sense. A paraclete is someone who is called in to comfort distressed soldiers. The word is always used for someone who is called in during times of distress and in times of need. One of the earliest scholars to translate the Bible from Greek into English was the reformer John Wycliffe. And in the 1300s, he translated the word paraclete as comforter, but the word actually has a different meaning now than it did 700 years ago. Wycliffe was translating the word as comforter, and he was using a nuance from the Latin, which means uh, comfortus. Fortis is the word, think of fortress or fortify, the same word that's used in Fortnite, if you play that. I mentioned that a few weeks back. So the comforter then was intended to mean the one who came to embolden, the one who came to fortify, to instill bravery into someone, to enable the dispirited to be encouraged. It's instructive to remember that just 14 verses before, Jesus says that he's going to send the advocate. He tells the disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because their hearts were troubled. And he's saying, I'm going to send the paracletos. I'm going to send the one whose goal it is to come to you and to comfort you, to fortify you, to ennoble you and enable you and encourage you because your hearts are troubled. As theologian William Barclay notes, he says, Jesus is saying, I am setting you to a hard task, disciples. I am sending you out on a very difficult engagement, but I am going to send someone, the Paracletos, who will guide you encourage you, and comfort you. Jesus alerts the disciples that he's, that he's sending an advocate. And actually in John 14, 6, he's, he's saying, I'm going to send another advocate. I'm going to send another one of these. What's noteworthy here is that Jesus is saying that he's going to send another one. And uh, there's two different words that can be used in Greek for another. One is another of a different kind. He, and then the second word is another of the same kind. And the word that Jesus uses is another of the same kind. He's saying the ways that I have encouraged you, the ways that I've been one to lift you up, the ways that I've been one to heal you and instruct you and guide you, I'm going to send another one that's just like me, and he's going to do the same thing for you. He's essentially saying that he's going to send someone else that is similar to him to comfort you in the ways that Jesus did. But how will the advocate, how will the spirit encourage and comfort well, Jesus addresses this as well. Jesus says that when the Spirit comes, he will come to teach and to remind. And these will be among the tools that the Spirit uses to comfort. Verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Saying the Spirit will teach and the Spirit will remind. And what Jesus goes on to say is that uh, the Spirit will be teaching and reminding the disciples of the things that Jesus himself has already taught them. It isn't that the Spirit will be uh, necessarily providing new information, but the Spirit will be providing renewed meaning to the things that Jesus said. As theologian Marianne Thompson points out, that throughout the Gospel of John, 
from chapter 14 onward, it becomes clearer that the Spirit's work is to resolutely point towards Jesus, to bear witness to Jesus, to bring glory and honor to Jesus. The Spirit's work is understood as continuing the work of Jesus and moving it forward, moving it forward into the world and moving it forward into the lives of individual believers. Jesus said this to the disciples then, but he's saying it to us now. It is the Spirit that is empowering the disciples for mission in the world, and it will be the disciples who extend and expand what Jesus began, and they will do so by the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will teach the disciples. This is what Jesus meant. The Spirit will teach. This is what Jesus meant about prayer. This is what he meant about his kingdom. This is what he meant when he said, seek first his kingdom. The Spirit teaches, and that teaching points back to Jesus. And the Spirit will remind, the Spirit will remind them who they are in Christ. The Spirit will remind the depths of their identity as it resides in God who made them. The Spirit will remind them from whom their healing comes. The Spirit will remind them who created the world and who created their world and who holds both together. The Spirit will teach and remind. But that's not all that the Spirit will do, and we'll see it in the weeks ahead. It's not just teaching and reminding, but I want to sit there for now. But the teaching and the reminding are two central ways that the Spirit brings courage and comfort. In the same discourse, these chapters here, 14, 15, and 16, and again, it's a long teaching of Jesus. It's in the same discourse where Jesus is letting the disciples and us know that the Holy Spirit will come when he returns to the Father in heaven. And in this same discourse, Jesus is also impressing upon the disciples that there are three gifts that are for them. It's not, just, it's not an exhaustive list, but these are three that he mentions in 14, 15, and 16. And the first one is peace. Just as Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will come, and when he leaves, Jesus is also saying that what he intends to leave with the disciples is peace. Verse 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything I've said to you. Verse 27, and peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus wants the disciples and us to root and to anchor ourselves in the peace that he leaves with us. That's secured by the Holy Spirit. Peace that was ultimately secured on the cross, overcoming all that would distort or disrupt the peace that he offers. Jesus wants to leave us peace, untroubled hearts, lives without fear. So he says, I'm leaving peace with you. The second thing that Jesus impresses upon the disciples is that of joy. Just a few verses over, Jesus says that he wants to leave the disciples with joy. Chapter 15, verse 11, I have told you this, I've told you all of this, that I'm going to go away and that the Spirit will come, He will comfort you, He will guide you, He will encourage you. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, may be whole and full, not lacking anything. 
Again, Jesus knows that their hearts are troubled. He knows that they're experiencing fear and uncertainty is always before them. And yet he is saying that despite what's going on in the world around them, in spite of the turbulence that is in their own hearts, his joy is in us. And our joy can be complete because of the joy that comes from Christ and is secured by the Holy Spirit. The third thing that Jesus says that he's leaving with the disciples over the course of these three chapters is love. 15, 12. My command is this. That you love each other as I have loved you. Even though the cross is ahead for Jesus and resurrection will follow and the return to the Father, Jesus wants the disciples then and us now to know that above all, that we're loved and that our call is to love. Peace, joy, love. These would end up being the three fruit that Paul would then identify in Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And then he goes on. My sense is that these aren't just things that the disciples needed to be reminded of by the Holy Spirit, but that they're things that you and I need to be reminded of in this moment today. Do we need to be reminded by the Spirit that because of Christ, that we can have peace right now? And we need to be reminded, some of us in this room, that because of the, work, the finished work of Jesus, carried forward by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that today, despite the circumstances, that you can hear Jesus say, don't let your hearts be troubled. I want to leave you with joy. My sense is that there are some in this room that need to be reminded, above all, that you are loved just as you are right now by God. And what I want for us to do is to just take a moment and let the Spirit minister to whichever ones of those. And as soon as I said it, you said, that's me. I've got a lot of things going on, and peace isn't the thing that I'm remembering right now. I'm remembering my list. I'm remembering my anxiety. I'm remembering my worry. But I'm not remembering the peace of God. Some of you may be saying, I I don't, uh, Joy, I don't, um, I'm not sure about that one. It's different than happiness. It looks straightway and sober-mindedly at the turbulence of the world, but says that in the middle of that, I can still have joy because of what Christ has done. He's in my life, and it's secured by the Spirit. You need to be reminded that joy is available. And love. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're precious in the sight of the Almighty. That you're loved. Let me pray for us as the band comes You've, you've been moving and working throughout this moment. You've been speaking to us. You've been stirring us. And Spirit, I just pray that in the tenderness of this moment that you would, that you would reach to everyone that's here and that you would minister in whatever unique way that those that are gathered here need to receive from you whatever they need to be reminded of or whatever they need to, whatever teaching they need to come back to that Jesus said about who they are and whose they are that you would stir in this moment to them, Spirit.
Come, Holy Spirit. I want to ask, I just want to navigate this space for a minute. And um, I just ask for you to just have your eyes closed and, and bow your heads for a minute. And as, as we're moving through John 14 and 15, and I came to the place of peace, and there was an ache in your soul for the peace that the Spirit offers, just right where you are. I don't want you to look up. I just want you to lift your hands. Just point it up. You can put it back down. Holy Spirit, the one who was sent by the Prince of Peace, I pray that you would rest your peace upon those that said, it's me. That you would remind them that in you, that you give a peace that passes all understanding that passes all comprehension, but we know it in our souls. God, I pray that you would rest that in them, God. With whatever is the, the turbulence that they experience or the tempest that they find themselves in, God, that by the power of your spirit that you would come and minister to them even now and that you would remind them of your peace. Come Holy Spirit. Some of you in the room, when, when I came to joy, there was, a, there was a catch, there was a, there was a, mm. maybe you didn't have words for it, but you had a, the Spirit prompted something when I said joy. And if that was you, I just want you to just to poke your hand up. Holy Spirit, your word tells us when you come into a place that one of the marks, one of the characteristics of a move of the Spirit is joy. Circumstances may not change, but that there's a fortitude that you give us, there's a constitution that you give us that says, though the, though the mountains may fall and the earth quake, still my eyes are gazed upon the Lord, and that in, in you is joy, in you is salvation. God, I pray for those that have poked up their hands, God, and said, it was joy. It's joy for me. I need, to, I need to be reminded that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. His joy comes in the morning. God, I pray for mornings for those. I pray for new days for those that lifted their hands and said, I, I need to, I need the Spirit to bring a, an infusion of joy into the situation and circumstances in which I'm trying to navigate right now. Spirit, I pray that you administer to them. Some of you, when we came to the place of love, that reminder that you, that you are loved by God in heaven, there was something that stirred, maybe even been a resistance to receiving that word. That was you. I just want you to poke your hand up for a minute.
Come, Holy Spirit. You are the God of love. You are the God who is love embodied. And Lord, the enemy wants to erode our experience of and belief in and the truth of your love. And so, Spirit, I pray that even in this moment, that you would remind these daughters and sons who raise their hand that they belong to you. Since they walked into this room that you've been communicating to them, I love you. I love you, daughter. I love you, son. I love you, child. Let that word wash over their soul's spirit. Remind them of that truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would continue to minister to those, to all of us here. Remind us of the truth of who we are in Christ, who you are to us. Your deep care for us, your deep love for us, salvation that is yours for us, healing that is that is offered to us from you. I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.